So um, if you've been uh, following our series uh, in the book of Psalm, it's been a real time of rest. It's been a real time of reflection. Um, we hope it, it's been a, a real um, effective time over these last few weeks. Um, I'm going to continue into Psalm 145, and we're looking at the, the second half. So from verse 13 through to verse 21, and the, um, they should, it should come up behind me. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord is faithful in all his words and kind in all his works. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food in due season." You open your hand, you satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. And this is a a key verse for us. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desire of those who fear him and he also hears their cry and saves them. The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord and let all flesh or let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Um, I guess if you're taking notes and you want a title for today, we're going to be uh, calling this the nearness of God. And, um, and yeah, my, my anticipation is we're going to focus on that, that first 18 and, and, and a few others. Um, well, what, a, what an amazing few weeks it's been, isn't it? Whether you've been following the Summer Psalm series or whether you've been following the Olympics. As we started the Psalm series, the Olympians were flying off to Rio and it's been an extraordinary few weeks, isn't it? We finished second in the medal tables in front of China, which is just extraordinary. We won so many medals. It was just absolutely amazing and really caught Olympic fever in our household. Um, in, in fact, so much so, it actually prompted me to, to renew for a TV license. We hadn't had a TV license for a few years. So I called up the TV's, TV licensing people and said, I'd like to get a, a TV license for a month. Um, well, that discussion didn't go too well. Anyway, we renewed a TV license and we watched the Olympics. It was just amazing that something so far off, I don't know exactly how far Rio is, but it's a few thousand miles away, and all of a sudden, here it was in our home, and the red button, what a a great button that is. You can actually press the red button, much to the annoyance of my wife, because I'm I'm sort of, I start watching one thing, and then I press the red button, and we jump to another, uh, another arena. But I was just fascinated that something that was so far away was brought into our home and and it caught up the nation. But how about this place? We can flick to the next slide. And how about this place? This is uh, is a place called Kiribati. This is uh, apparently one of the furthest islands um, from, from the UK. It's um, equal distance off, off the west coast of, of the west coast of the states and east coast of Asia, and um, it's a pretty far away place. And uh, a few years ago, I, I decided to go there, and um, I was in my living room and I looked at an atlas and I thought, where's the mo- where's the furthest place I can go? And Kiribati was it. 
And what a fascinating place. It took me, I'd got on a train, well, from Twickenham to Clapham, Clapham to, to Gatwick. Um, and then I got various uh, planes, and then the planes got smaller and smaller, and then eventually got some little boats, and I rocked up in Kiribati. And the guy at customs said, in a little wooden hut, he said, what on earth are you doing here? I said, I've not got much idea, actually. But anyway, I, I stayed in Kiribati, but it was a far-off place. But through my efforts uh, and a great deal of time, I, I eventually got there. How about a, a relationship with God? What, about, what do you think about when you have a forming or a relationship with God? Is he someone who is far off? Is he, if you pause this morning and you thought about a, a relationship with God, is he someone who is far off? Is he someone who is further away than Kiribati? Is he a God who is in the clouds? Is he a God who maybe is just here? Where is, where is God this morning for you? You see, the whole bias, the whole slant, the whole disposition of the Bible is about being in relationship with God. And what I want to unpack this morning is the nearness of God, what David talks about in verse 18. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. You see, from the start of the Bible, right from the start of Genesis, God is in relationship. He's in close relationship with Adam and Eve. They know his voice. They know his presence. But then something happens called the fall. Sin enters the world, and all of a sudden there is a, a separation from God. There is a, a distance from God. And throughout the whole of the Old Testament, there is still a distance from God, and we will talk about that in a little bit more. But right from that moment when the fall happens, when sin, as the Bible calls it, enters the world, God has a plan. In Genesis 3, there's a plan. It's the first commentator to say the glimpse of the gospel coming in. The serpent which de deceived Adam and Eve, it talks about the serpent's head being bruised. And it's the first mention of a, of a restoration plan. And as we go through the, the Old Testament, and just this week I've been reading um, the book of Exodus about God drawing near to the people of Israel. The, the people of Israel leave slavery, they leave Egypt, and they go into the wilderness. And God draws near to them. He draws near to them so, so the people of Israel know that they are leading him. And God appears to them by day in a, in a pillar of a cloud, and at night he appears to them in a pillar of fire. And then as Exodus unfolds, the, the tabernacle is built. Just if you, if you ever read the book of Exodus, the details of the tabernacle, just extraordinary innate details. And ultimately, the tabernacle becomes where God dwells. God dwells in the most holy of holies inside of the tabernacle. And this tabernacle is taken wherever Israel goes and there's the, the most holy of holies, and it's separated by, a, by a, a curtain. And only one person, a person called the, the high priest, one person, once a year, gets to enter into the, the most holy of holies where, where God dwells. And ultimately, throughout the whole of the Old Testament, we see this separation 
We see this separation. We see that, that God dwells in this most holy place because that's the only place that he can dwell because he's a God who is so holy that he cannot stand the, the sight of sin. So he, he, he enters into a tabernacle. That is the purpose of where God dwells. And ultimately, we see throughout the Old Testament religion, the, the law that God laid down, that is there to protect the people of Israel. But ultimately, it doesn't stack up. It doesn't stack up. If you know anything of the story of the Old Testament, the religion following the law, the people of God cannot do. They are a rebellious bunch, just like you and I. They are a rebellious bunch. So there is a problem. There is a problem that we can't follow the law. If you've ever tried to, to follow religion, just religion, the laws that God laid down, it's impossible. So there's still a separation. So what's the answer? What's the answer? How can we know the, the nearness of God? How can we live a life that God wants us to live? How can we know relationship with God? How can, we, how can we live in a way that, yes, we are following God's plan for our lives, but not through our own efforts? How do we do that? Well, the good news is, as we enter into the New Testament, the good news comes. We can do that because of one person, and that person is Jesus Christ. That's such amazing news for us. You see, Jesus was a man. <laughs> he was a man who started his ministry in his mid-30s, and he hung around with some pretty ordinary people, and he became recognized as a, as a pretty special teacher. And as his ministry progressed, he started doing amazing, extraordinary things, and people started following him. And then he started making some pretty profound claims he started saying things like, I am the way, the truth, and the life. That the only way to the Father, the only way to relationship with God is through Jesus. He started making these massive claims and it caused all sorts of chaos because what had happened throughout the whole history of God's people was it, the religious leaders who were upholding the law this was something new. This was something completely in contrast. And once they knew that one was coming, a Messiah was going to come, they certainly did not believe it was Jesus. An ordinary man like you and me who would hang out with ordinary people like you and me. And ultimately, it's these claims that he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And the only way to the Father is through me. Ultimately, led to his death ultimately led to his death. He was executed for the claims that he made, that he was the son of God. It led to his death. And on the cross, where he was nailed to a, on the cross, he was flogged before he went there to an inch of his life. The nearness that Jesus knew, Nick alluded to this a few weeks ago about the community of God. Jesus was Father, Son, and Spirit. The nearness, the relationship that Jesus knew, all of a sudden was starting to disappear. Because ultimately what happens at the cross 
is that Jesus is punished. He is crucified for all of sin up to that point and for all of eternity. It's a massive, huge claim, but that's the story of the Bible. Jesus was coming in. He was bringing a new order. He was bringing in a new covenant that would deal with sin forever. And in that moment, as Jesus is dying, he proclaims, Father, he actually says, Eli, Eli, Sabatanshi, which translates, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In the nearness that he knew, in those moments, he was so far from God. He was so far from God because God, being a holy God, could not stand to be and see his son taking the sin upon this world. The nearness, the community that Jesus knew in that moment, he was further away from God than he ever knew. But here's the amazing thing that's happening in that moment. As Jesus is coming further and further away from God, a new way is opening up. A new way is opening up for people like you and me to be in relationship with God. Because it says in Matthew 27, verse 46, that as Jesus died, the temple curtain was torn from top to bottom. In the moment of his death, the temple curtain was torn from top to bottom. The temple curtain, which was separated God's people from the innermost holy place where God dwelt, the temple curtain was torn from top to bottom. A way was being made, a way was being opened up for us to be in relationship. The claims that Jesus made that I am the way, the truth, and the life, that the only way to the Father is through me, was opening up. Jesus died. Jesus was executed for the claims that he made. But it doesn't stop there. As an as a opening, it's coming up. Jesus returns three days later. If you know the story of the Bible, three days later, Jesus returned. Jesus won. Jesus conquered. Jesus conquered death. And he made a way. He made a, a way for us to know the nearness of God. It says in John 14, such a critical and and crucial verse for us this morning. You see, when when before Jesus died, he made a, a promise that you and I, ordinary people like you and me, would know the Father, that he would be sending one that we could know intimately, we could know personal relationship with him. And as Jesus died, as he rose again, and then as he left earth, as he ascended to heaven to the, to the throne, as we were singing earlier, the throne of grace, that as a believer, as a follower of Jesus that we have access to, that where he is ruling and reigning now, he made this promise. He says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him. You know him. You can know him. For he dwells with you and will be in you. Let's read that last bit again. 
You know him, you can know him. For he dwells with you and will be in you. (laughs) That's extraordinary truth. That he will be in you. You see, becoming a, a believer, becoming a follower of Jesus, it's not a relationship with God who is out here. It's not a relationship with God who is miles away or in the clouds. The reality and the truth of what the gospel teaches is when you acknowledge that Jesus died, that Jesus is exactly who he said he is, that he is the way, the truth, and the life, that the only way to a relationship with the Father is through him. When you arrive at that point, when you believe that, and you say, Lord Jesus, I want to know you personally. I want you to come and live inside me. The reality, the truth, the nearness of God is exactly this. That for he dwells with you and will be with you and he will be in you. The true nearness of God is that he comes to live inside of us. The transformation that takes place, it is a miracle It is a miracle that can only be done through God, through his death, his resurrection, and for him sending his Holy Spirit to come and live inside of us. That's the true nearness of God. As David talked about in the psalm, that the Lord draws near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. As we acknowledge the truth that Jesus is who he says he is, the reality, the experience is that he comes to dwell. He comes to dwell inside of us. It says in 1 Corinthians 7 (laughs) that if you're a follower of Jesus, you become the temple of the living God. (laughs) Really? (laughs) I read this this week. It says 1 Corinthians 7 we become the temple of the living God. It's just absolutely extraordinary, really, that we were once were far off, that God could only dwell in the most holy of holies, that there was a separation. And then when Jesus died, the temple curtain came down, that we ordinary people, if we acknowledge who Jesus is, are able to enter into relationship, yes, And then the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us, yes. And then you and I, when you acknowledge who Jesus is, you become a temple of the living God. (laughs) It's absolutely amazing. That's the nearness of God. If you're a believer here this morning, if you've declared Jesus as your Lord and Savior, the reality and the truth is that Jesus, by his Spirit, is living inside of you. So a question, do you know the nearness of God this morning? Do you know the reality of who God is and what he's done and the way that he has made for you? If you walk out of here this morning, can you be absolutely certain that you know the nearness of God? Do you know that he's living inside of you this morning? I really want to encourage you, if you don't know that, we would love to, to talk to you. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love you to know the nearness of God.
If you've been coming for years and you might say, do you know what, Jace? Oh, God is way off because we have moments like that, don't we? We either sort of have moments when we really know the nearness of God or actually sometimes you're like, Lord, I haven't got a clue where you are. Or sometimes you're like me that actually we try really hard. I, I make an effort like I did to get to Kiribati so, so I can draw near to a place. I can draw near to God. Maybe you fall into that trap. We're going to have a, a, a time to respond. It's a fantastic time to ask God to, to come and dwell, to come and draw near to you again this morning. The reality of what David's talking about in this psalm is that God is not someone who is far off. As we call on him in truth, as we acknowledge that Jesus is exactly who he says he is, that he is a Lord and Savior, that he makes a way for us to be in a personal relationship with God, that we can know the nearness of God as a result of that. I'm going to, um, I'm going to pray for us, and then um, these guys are going to lead us in, in, in one more song. Father God, we, we thank you for this truth. We thank you for this truth that you are a God who loves to dwell with your people, that you're a God who is not far off. You're a God who doesn't ask us to perform or try hard to know the nearness, that Jesus, you made the way. Jesus, you are the way, the life that the only way to the Father is through you. And Lord, I want to pray, Lord, I want to pray for anyone here this morning who does not know the nearness of God. Oh, Father, would you draw near to all of us, Lord, right now. So welcome here, Holy Spirit, you are here. Draw near to us now, Lord, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.